Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. It's kind of a weird holiday to greet people like, like you know, dudes. It's weird for, for women. Like, do we tell you Happy Valentine's Day? Do we reserve that for our husbands? It doesn't matter. I was saying Happy Valentine's Day for everybody. So um, tonight is our Valentine's banquet. We're super excited about it. It's going to be over in the vault. They're going to transform the vault into the most romantic, beautiful getaway date night that you could possibly hope for during COVID. So uh, we are excited. I, I've talked to a lot of people that are excited that are coming tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, we don't usually celebrate um, going out on Valentine's Day just because, I mean, who wants to do that? I hate it. I don't like crowds. I don't like crowd, uh, waiting outside and being in a long wait. And so we never do it. So tonight's extra special because we get to do it. Um, today is also special for me because my parents' anniversary is on Valentine's Day, and today is their 50th wedding anniversary, and so that's, that's my parents there. Aren't they cute? My mom was 16 years old when she got married. My dad was 21, so I'm thankful for them, for the example that they have been to me in my life, and one thing I never doubted, not once growing up, is that my parents loved God and loved each other. And so that's the greatest gift we can give to our kids, isn't it? So we're going to just release the kids. If you have not, if, we, if they haven't ran out the back door yet, we thank you so much for all the teachers, all the work that they invest in our children. It takes a village. It took a village with mine. It's still taking a village with them. <laughs> so last week we started a new theme. And I don't know if you were here, but if you watched online or, or you were here, we talked about locked in. Do you remember Adam speaking about a tribe being the connection of a tribe, connecting to the Holy Spirit, and connecting to the future? And I take notes, and I was looking over them a lot these last two weeks because this has really been a struggle for me, this message this morning, uh, more so than a lot of in the, in the past, you know, several times I've spoke. It just seems like when usually I'm the type of person that when there's a theme and I see it coming up in our calendar, I really feel like God's given me something for it. And so I'll approach Adam and say, oh, you know, I have something I want to share. And so he'll schedule me in. This time I was approached. <laughs> and so um, I didn't have like some revelation from God to just drop in my spirit say, hey, I've got I had to sit there, and the last two weeks, I have struggled. Adam can attest that he's come into the room, and I'm still working on it. And then he goes somewhere and comes back, and I'm still working on it. And then he comes back, and then there's nothing on the iPad because I deleted it, you know? So it's that kind of, it's been those kind of a few weeks for me of just trying to get the mind of God and what I wanted to say because I like to speak out of things that I have experienced, whether it's a weakness in my life, uh, whether it's something that I really struggled with, whether it's, a, it's just a revelation that God gave to me, I feel like we speak best out of experience. And so today, um, well, actually, this, this last few weeks, um, I, as I like, got on Instagram, I follow this girl on Instagram, and we met two years ago at the beginning of cancer. She was one month ahead of me in the breast cancer journey. And so we found each other. We started mess messaging each other back and forth. She lived in New York. I live here. And so um, we had a common bond. 
And so I was curious because she was a month ahead of me, so I started following her to see what was going to happen in a month, you know, because you just don't know. Like, when's my hair going to fall out? When's this going to happen? And so I started following her, and we had the same treatment. We had the same hair loss. We had same surgeries, same results. But that's kind of where our similarities ended. We both walked through this same journey with all the same results, but totally different experiences. And today, we're walking very differently today in our victories. She still battles fear on a daily basis. She's very vocal about all the medications that she needs to handle her anxiety and fears. She goes through what I would say is a week-long panic attack before she's due for her six-month scans. Her most recent subject title on Instagram was those days that you wish you still had cancer because at least you knew then that you were taking the drugs to fight it and you weren't just waiting for the ugly devil to raise its head again. Now, I'll be honest with you. The aftermath of cancer has not been fun and nobody teaches you about it. Nobody talks about it. It's just like the doctors drop as soon as they get that, that little thing that we all go for is the NED results, which is no evidence of disease. As soon as a doctor tells you that, he writes you off. You're done. So you do, you, everything else after that, you're walking through blind. And, but I will say this. I have never once wished to be back in it. <laughs> I mean, not once. I'm thankful for every single day that I'm healthy and feeling good and I don't have to go get those treatments. We both got the victory over cancer, but the process was totally different in her life and mine. What we received from that season in our lives is totally different. Most of us here today would say that we are locked in faith. We're locked in it. We're sitting here today because we're locked into faith. But in order to be locked into faith, we have to also be locked in to endurance. Endurance means that we have the power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process without giving up. It's the capacity of something to last or to withstand wear and tear. It's the state of perseverance. So I don't know about you, but I want to be locked into endurance. I want my faith to be able to endure everything I'm going to walk through in this life. And so today I want to talk about that locked into endurance because endurance isn't born out of experiencing a victory. Her and I both have experienced physical victories. But endurance isn't born out of the experiencing victory, but out of waiting and trusting in God for the victory. My Instagram friend and I both experienced it, but we're walking in it differently. I left my cancer journey with so much more than I ever expected. She came out of that journey with less than. Faith, it makes all the difference. Faith makes all the difference in our lives. I was able to profit from a time of pain in my life. I remember in the beginning of the journey, when we were first diagnosed, I prayed, God, I don't wanna miss what you wanna teach me and show me as I walk through this valley. 
not even realizing that as I prayed those words and wrote those words in my journal, that I was speaking faith as I prayed them because I was believing in my heart it was a valley and that I would be moving through it and I would be coming out on the other side of it. And sometimes that's how we have to speak to situations and circumstances in our lives. The first thing that I see when we're locked into endurance is that we need to grow while we're going. If you've been reading through our Bible plan with us, we've been reading about the children of Israel. Now the children of Israel are frustrating to me. Every year we read through this Bible plan and we go through all the things that they did wrong and always grumbling, always complaining, and it just gets frustrating. There's a lot of times I'm like, oh Lord, can I just skip this chapter in Exodus, you know? It's just frustrating. And if you're reading with us, we've already gone through, you know, that the, the children of Israel escaped Pharaoh, God sent all the plagues. You know these stories because if you are in any kind of Sunday school, basic Bible teachings, teaches about the children of Israel and let my people go. That's what, you know, Moses says and Pharaoh ends up doing it eventually. So here they are in this story. They have just passed through the Red Sea. Okay, they, they got to the Red Sea. They escaped bondage and slavery and they get to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts and they walk through on dry ground. They come to the other side and the Red Sea closes and wipes away their enemy. So they have no threat against them at that time anymore. So here they are, they're on dry ground and this story picks up in Exodus 15, 22 to 26. It says, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and they found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, what shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw that tree into the water, and the water became sweet. And there the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them, and he put them to the test. And he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. As I studied this little portion of this story out, I found a study that doctors and scientists did on the water. Now, I'm all about like vitamins right now and like things that can help me naturally in my body. And so the conclusions that these scientists and doctors came up to really amazed me and I wanna share it with you. Because sometimes we can read portions of scripture of something that God did, but we miss the little details of God's touch. He always, always goes above and beyond what, what we think we need. And Adam said last week, and I loved it, and I wrote it all in every book that I write in, <laughs> that God is a messy pourer. I love that because his anointing is always overflowing and just making a beautiful mess out of everything, and I love that. Because we see in this scripture that the water becomes drinkable. Yay, yay God, sweet tea in the desert, yay God. I mean, that's what I think when I read it. Yeah, well, that's cool. But the scientists said in their study that the sap from the tree drew the mineral content down to the bottom and left the good water on the top and it acted as a filter. So it was now drinkable, sweet, but it still had a, a level of magnesium and calcium in it. 
Now get this, this is kind of gross, but whatever. It had a laxative effect. That's what it would have done. Okay, so it was literally cleansing their intestines out of all the diseases that the Egyptians would have had in that place that they would have carried with them through the Red Sea. And I'm talking diseases like dysentery, things that wipe out a population. So in addition to that, that God was cleansing them of things they didn't even know they were carrying, this calcium and magnesium came together to form a drug called dolomite. And this drug is used for athletes as a performance enhancer in hot weather conditions. So God did not change just the taste of the water. He led them to this place to receive the exact medicine they needed to cleanse their bodies. He provided the ultimate sports drink for their journey through the desert and prepared them for the long hot walk that was before them. All of this happened in a place called bitterness. Mara wasn't a place God intended for them to settle in. It was just a test. It was just a lesson. If they could catch it, they'd be able to learn a new revelation of who God wanted to be in their journey. He was revealing himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Imagine if they could catch that this early and not miss it by their grumbling and complaining, but actually learn in this early part of their journey that God is their healer. He could cure all the diseases. What an incredible foundation to begin their walk with the Lord on. As a child through my teenage years, you know, I was sick growing up. And looking back to that young age of, of, of being in the Valley of Mara as a teenager, I had years of seeing doctors and trying to fix all of my stomach issues. And I remember as a teenager, the very first time the thought settled in me, is this going to be forever? Am I going to live with this forever? Am I going to get married with this? After I started writing Adam and we began to write across the miles, I prayed for healing even more. My desire to be healed became even more urgent. I would cry and I would beg God to heal me. Every prayer line, I was in the front. And I would ask God, why have you not healed me yet? Even then, looking back, I see an expectancy because I knew he could and I knew that he would. I was walking through Mara and I was waiting for his touch and he did. In his timing, his perfect timing, in a small Sunday morning service, God radically healed my body instantly. But did I grasp all that I had learned walking through Mara at that time in my life? No, not yet. Not until I was faced with another sickness in the Valley of Mara, and this time it, it was cancer. And I have flashed back so many times in the past two years to those early teenage years believing God for a miracle. I knew that he could, and he would then, and he had taught me lessons that I remembered. I remembered the valley. I remembered how I wasn't afraid, how confident I was that God would hear me and answer my requests, how sweet he had made some of those bitter waters at that time for me. So that this time, 
When I tasted that same bitterness, I knew he could change it again because he had already done it in my life. We will go through Mara many times in our lives. We will all walk through Mara on repeat because we're all walking through a desert every day. We are foreigners in this strange land. If we could grasp at an early stage in life that this is not our home, that we should be focused and thinking upon things above and settling our minds on the heavenly realms, it would help us so much. It means that we don't see things as they are. We don't speak things the same as the world speaks. We walk differently and we talk differently when times are good and when times are not so good. But it's a lot easier to do when times are good. How much more so do we need to do those things in the time and in the valley of Mara? We need to be mature enough that we recognize I'm in Mara and ask, okay, God, what are you wanting to show me right here? What treasures are you revealing to me about yourself right here? The children of Israel wandered the desert for 40 years, literally going in circles. Don't you think that at some point they would have matured enough in their walk with God to recognize the same place and finally figure out that God wanted them to learn something here? How many times do we have to go through the same thing and not figure out that God is trying to show you something? Even though we think with our own minds, we think, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Sometimes our spirit is not matching up with our mind. We go through the same struggles in our marriages over and over again. It reminds me of those darn hamsters you put in those clear plastic bubbles. Have you seen those balls? You get them out of their cage and think they want to look at see the world. And you put them in this little ball that has a little hole and you put them on the floor and boom, they go. And they can, the, the, the advertisement is they can explore your house, they get freedom. And off they go, they bump into corners of cabinets and they shake it off and they keep on going and get that ball going again. That's our lives. We're just on this hamster wheel of life and we're going and going and going and there's things we have to learn. Don't hit that cupboard. There's a corner coming, turn. How many times have we been in the same place of financial struggle and always end up with grumbling and complaining to God? How many times do we have relational failures? We have to grow through what we go through. We have to learn from it and change from it and mature from it. We waste so much time going in circles and we have to know that in the valley of Mara, God is showing us something. God is revealing something to us. But if we moan and if we groan and fight against it, we will miss the sweetness of it. Groaning literally means open rebellion. We read story after story like this about God's chosen people and it frustrates us. Why? Because it is us. All these years later, we may have a very different world than they did, but we are still stumbling all around the desert and frustrated when things don't go our way. We still have our own perception of how things should go. 
We start grumbling when our perception of the situation isn't matching up to what we want or what we need or our material wants or our expectations. We're still saying today the same things that the children of Israel said throughout the book of Exodus. How will we survive this? What will we eat and drink? How can we live like this? How will we ever afford that? What if I never find a new job? I'm sick. What if I never feel better? These are the grumblings of the children of Israel on repeat. God's people haven't changed that much over time. We still grumble about the same old things. We still rebel when things are not going our way or the way that we think they should go. And when, if we were just to stay focused on what God is teaching us instead of how do I get out of Mara? How can I limit my amount of time that I have to be here? The less time, the better. But if we rush through it, we're gonna miss what God wants to show us. We will miss the medicinal qualities that his touch is bringing to your Mara. He brought exactly what they needed into those waters and he brings exactly what we need into ours. The children of Israel were exhausted and they still had a ways to go before they would come to a place of rest and God saw that. He knew that they carried diseases from Egypt that many of them didn't even know they were carrying and he was already bringing healing to that. And in this place in the desert, God was meeting their needs in every single way beyond what they could see with their natural eyes. And that's what he does for us. The second thing I want to talk about in endurance is don't get cozy. Do not get cozy. The story goes on in that very same chapter in Exodus 15, 27. It says the children of Israel, they came to Elam. And where there was 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water, and they rested there. Now, you know when the children of Israel spotted Elam, they were like, this is what I'm talking about. This is God's blessing right here. Elam sounds like a vacation to me. When I read it in the Bible, it just sounds like a place you'd want to go for vacation. When you go on vacation, maybe not, you know, Adam was like, we don't do that. Okay, we, I would choose to go on a vacation like this, but I am married to Adam, who has to do hiking every single day of his vacation in order to enjoy the laziness and the slothfulness that comes with vacation. Okay, so normally a lot of people that I know, and I'm not going to mention any names today, but some of you may know who I'm talking about, when they go on vacation, they eat some good food and they possibly post it every single meal. So you're jealous, you're just jealous watching their Instagram. They'll find a beach where they can lay on that beach, not run on the beach, not go on a hike where they could see a different view of the beach. They lay on the beach or find a pool where somebody will bring them iced tea under the shade of a beautiful palm tree with a great book, reading and relaxing. And usually said people, will come home from a vacation having gained extra weight. And sometimes they're even more tired coming home from vacation than they were when they left for vacation. I've heard many people say that. My gosh, I'm more tired now than I was when I left. Did you know that our souls can get fat? 
Our souls can get lazy. Our souls can get tired. If we sit in a place like Elam too long, not exercising our faith, not having a need to trust in God, we're good. No need to actively look for God in a situation. Everything feels so good right here, and we'll just unpack and set up camp right here where our souls can start to get fat and our faith gets sleepy. Now, as I was preparing this message, I really did plan on doing a wonderful Valentine's message about marriages and love. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and I even bought this book. I read, I read about this book online, and I bought this book to help me write a great message for marriages and happy living. So this book is called The Little Book of Huga. Anybody heard of the Huga lifestyle? Nobody? I know, I told you. This is Danish, this is not Dutch. That's why I told her, because I was like, did you know the Danes are like the happiest people in the world? <laughs> really, truly, they are. But anyway, this little book is called The Little Book of Huga, and it's Danish Secrets to Happy Living, written by the CEO of the Happiness Research Institute of Copenhagen. Wow, I mean, it's a cute book. It's definitely a coffee table book, you know? But anyways, I looked it up and the Danish people have been rated for multiple times, multiple years, the happiest people in the world. It's the happiest country in the world. So this man figured, why not share our secrets to the world? And he wrote this little book that has sold over a million copies in 35 languages. So many of you are already making the note to go out and buy this nice little book for your coffee table. Just wait till we give you the cliff notes of it. So this morning, I'm gonna just give you a little quick view of what huga means. What the happiest people in the world swear by. There is 10 things. One is atmosphere, turn down the lights. See how this was gonna be perfect for marriage? Okay, turn down the lights. In Denmark, in homes and offices and in boardrooms, they have 85% warm lighting or candlelight. They do not believe in harsh lighting of any kind. Okay, so the atmosphere, number one. Number two is presence. Turn off your cell phone and be present. Three, pleasure. Some of you already are going in the wrong place with this on Valentine's Day. Okay, their pleasure is Coffee, chocolates, cookies, cakes, candy, give me, give me, give me. Number four, equality, we over me. Five is gratitude. Take it in because this might be as good as it gets. Six, harmony, it's not about competition. Seven, comfort, get comfy, take a break, it's all about relaxation. Eight, truce, no drama. Nine, togetherness, build a relationships. And 10 is shelter. This is the place of peace and security. Okay, so good things, right? Sounds nice. I would like to visit Denmark at some point after I visit, you know, the Netherlands first, of course. So, and I'll be honest, I, I really was excited about reading this book and I went through it and I even planned on it. And, and so I had my message typed out and trying to parallel God's word to like the things that they've found to make them happy and nothing worked. 
Nothing worked. Like the message just got trashed over and over again. And I would write it and delete it and write it and delete it. And even when I went to sleep, I just saw my iPad with, with words. And then literally Friday night, I was working on my message and I hadn't picked this book up for a few days and it was sitting there. And I decided to Google Christianity in Denmark. And Denmark, who's rated the happiest people on earth, 75% of of Denmark are registered to the Lutheran church. But less than 5% go to church more than once a year unless it is for a wedding or a Christmas Eve service. So then I was curious and I opened up the book. I'd read the book, but you know, I skipped past the introduction. So I opened it back up and I read the introduction page. And the introduction page of this cute little book translated Huga into the coziness of the soul. And I thought in my head, you lying little devil. Suddenly my perception of all things huga, it flipped upside down or it flipped right side up. Because millions of people in our world have bought this book around the world searching for true happiness. These people have been rated multiple times as the happiest people in the world. This might shock some of you, but the enemy wants us to find happiness. He wants us to be cozy, and he wants you to stay happy. He wants your souls to find a nice, warm spot by the fire, wrap it in a fuzzy blanket, light a few candles, and have a nice cup of cocoa and get so comfortable you never have to leave that spot. There is nothing more the devil wants than for you to find coziness of the soul. The Bible says in Psalms 143.3, for the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground and he has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. He is pursuing our souls. And when I saw that caption, the coziness of the soul, I felt such a revulsion inside of me when I read that, that the coziness of the soul equals happiness. Do you remember the last time that you were in the Valley of Mara? Or have you just unpacked and started building house in Elam? next to that lovely stream and the shade of palms and we can say oh look how god has blessed me we can deliberately ignore the fact that god only meant for us to stay there for a rest not to unpack and live there i would rather live in mara having revelations of a miraculous god than live in elam forever I would rather live in Mara where I have to depend on God for provisions. I want to live in a place where I'm desperate because I know I can't survive in a place like Mara without him. We're not meant to just exist on this earth day to day and go to school and get a job and get married and have a few babies. There is a divine reason that each one of us has found the Lord and we are in this place today. We will never know that reason. We will never find it if we're getting all cozy by the fire trying to achieve what this world defines is happiness. We get so busy 
We never allow ourselves to just sit in Mara. Those times of testing which produce perseverance. James 1, through, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So perseverance has to finish its work. We don't get to bail out early and still get what God wants to give us. But when God is finished teaching us and showing us and revealing things inside of us, that's when it's time to move on. Then we become mature and complete Christians and lack nothing, the Bible says. When's the last time that you believed for something impossible? I'm serious. When is the last time that you remember believing for something impossible? Just believing for something that you can't see produces perseverance. Verse 4 in that scripture says, Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So don't give up. Keep believing for what you're believing for. Don't pack up and leave Mara before you learn what God wants to teach you. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. That scripture, we all practically have it memorized. It is so simple and it is so clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without comes from a Greek word, choris. And choris means that you're to be outside of something or someone who lives on the outside or the perimeters of the city. So this scripture is telling us that you can live inside of faith or you can live outside of faith. You can live locked into faith or you can live locked out of faith. That means faith is a real place that has borders and perimeters and boundaries. Hebrews 11:6 goes on to say that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligent means energetic effort. So in order to please God, we have to be locked into faith in a place where we can energetically seek him. God is all about us using our faith. God wants to stretch it out. Some of us have been sitting in Elam too long and it hurts to stretch out our faith. We need to get our faith active and moving again. Shed that excess fat and believe for something big again. Be where we can now have new revelations of who he is. To be in a place where he can show us miracles that leaves us with no doubt that could it only come from heaven. And the third thing that I feel we have to practice in our endurance is we have to start strength training. You know, there's a difference walking through a place like Mara with Jesus versus walking through it without him. There's a difference walking through COVID with Jesus without Jesus. There's a difference walking through heartbreak with Jesus versus without Jesus. There's a difference starting a business with Jesus or without Jesus. There's a difference having a marriage with Jesus or without Jesus. There's a difference raising a family with Jesus or without Jesus. 
In Psalms 84, 5 to 7, I love this scripture. It says, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion passing through the valley of Baca, which means the valley of crying. They make it a spring. The early rain covers it with blessings and they go from strength to strength. When we choose not to hide from these valleys and these seasons of Mara, but embrace them. We're not bailing out early, but allowing God to teach us all that he wants to do. We go from strength to strength. We will never be depleted. We'll never be broken down. We'll never, without even realizing it, we're going from a place of strength straight to another place of strength. We don't need long breaks by streams and rivers because God becomes that for us. So we can be in places like Mara that should be bitter. But because of Jesus, because of that Holy Spirit living within us, it makes those places a spring where rain covers it with blessing and we come out of it strengthened, not tired and weak. We go from strength to strength. John 4, 14, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He is our strength. He can, he can turn Amara into an Elam like that. He's given us the ability to turn Amara into an Elam because the Holy Spirit is living within us. Don't let this world twist God's truth. Don't let this world detour you on a, on a path to happiness. Beware of promises of happiness, even from people who have CEOs of a happiness institute. Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and they will provide great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect, which is God's chosen people. Who are God's chosen people? Well, that's you and me. So this scripture says there will be false prophets who will appear and try to deceive you. They will try to deceive me. One psychiatrist that wrote a book called The Other Side of Happiness said this, he said it's seeking comfort all the time is unlikely to provide much happiness if it is not contrasted with discomfort of some kind. He said the pursuit of pleasure in our world is making people miserable. It reminds me of Matthew 16, 28. For what will a man profit if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? I love the message version of the scripture. It says, Jesus said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It is my way to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything that you want in this life but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? I am so thankful today on this Valentine's Day and my parents' anniversary that I was raised by parents who pursued God, not happiness. Not what this world said would make them happy and provide a happy life for their children, but they pursued God. They never tried to bypass seasons of Mara. We were always.
always walking in faith on the mission field, always waiting for God to, to lead us to the next place or to provide something that needed to be provided for. But we waited for God's leading. We waited for God's timing. And in the process of that, the truest form of happiness was found. My brother and I learned from watching them in our own lives, and now we have our marriages and, and now our ministries. And I believe because of that walk of faith, the endurance that my parents had in their life, in their marriage, in their relationship with the Lord, it led me to be where in a place where I met my husband. It really was a seamless transition for me coming into this church because it wasn't even just the church. It was a seamless transition for me to come into the family because there was a familiar spirit in Adam. There was a familiar spirit in Pastor Carl and Sister Bonnie. It was a recognition of souls. I heard one lady say one time that the Jesus in me sees the Jesus in you and does a happy dance. I love that saying because it's true. Our souls should recognize another soul that loves the Lord, another soul that has found the true meaning of happiness. As a child, I saw that in my parents. And then when I came into this family and married Adam and came into this church, I saw the same thing here. They didn't have to pioneer this church on, on their own without any help. They didn't have to leave their little place of Elam and Pastor Carl had his businesses and his blessing they were living in. They didn't have to leave that and choose to head back into a place like Mara. But they heard the voice of the Lord saying, I have something for you to do. And while you're doing it, I will grow you in ways you can't imagine and show you revelations of who I am. And because they never stayed where they were comfortable then, they have never stayed where they were comfortable throughout their lives. This church has also done the same thing. We make the decision in this church to grow where we're going. We will not allow ourselves to get cozy of the spirit to get slack and lazy. We don't want to be comfortable in this world. We want to always be reminded we are not of this world. We don't want our souls cozy in this world. We commit in this church to strength training. It is our vision. We say win one, build one, release one. That is an active value. When you're winning something, you are competing against something else to win. And the devil is actively competing against us for the one. To build one is hard labor. Helping people build their lives on the right foundations. Always there's failure. Always going back and picking up the pieces. Back-breaking work, brick by brick, sermon by sermon, phone call after phone call, counseling after counseling, dinner after dinner. But seeing the light dawn in someone's eyes when they taste the waters that should be bitter, but they are not, it's worth it. To watch God's healing and restoration begin to flow out of people's lives, it is worth it. That is the happiness. Winning and building people, and then comes the release. Men and women in this church have been delivered from alcohol addiction, drug addiction and they choose to place themselves back in those alcohol centers and rehab centers and minister to people that is thriving where they shouldn't be thriving it's supernatural people who were on the brink of divorce and came into our church and began to build their foundation
dedication and put in the effort. And now their marriage is the best it's ever been. And they get to have couples over to their house and sit on the couch and minister love to them and show them how to have a marriage that's happy. People who have drank the waters of Mara and have been healed and delivered in turn lead people back to those waters. They don't turn and lead people to Elam. They turn and lead them to the healing waters that are in Mara. God wants us to thrive in a place that we shouldn't be thriving because he gets the glory. He gets the glory in that. It's where our testimony is birthed in those places that's what we will make, that, that's what does not make sense to people on the outside looking in. And I encourage you today, start believing for something impossible again. Start taking the natural steps towards what you're believing for and let God meet you there with his supernatural power. Psalms 84, 5 to 7, I want to read it again. It says, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of crying, they make it a spring. The early rain covers it with blessings and they go from strength to strength. Church, we have to commit to being locked in endurance. We have to commit to put ourselves in a place where we can grow while we go. To be aware and not let our souls get cozy and start strength training our faith. Why not get as strong as we possibly can? Why not let our faith be tested so it can believe for the unbelievable? I've shared the story many times when I went to visit my grandmother in the last week of her life several times that week. And she had up to that point had been aware and having conversations and and right at that point, about a week before she passed, she woke up and she couldn't speak. And the doctor told my dad, it's just, you know, things are going wrong and and it just looks like it's a few days, maybe a week or so now. But my dad, as he was praying, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't worry, I'm, I'm working things out inside of her. I'm working on her spirit. I'm working on her soul right now because I'm bringing her home. But there's some things that are still in there that cannot come into my presence. So I'm going to work it out for the next few days. And I remember just that peace, like, oh, God, what a beautiful thing, not only to tell the child of the person that's passing, but what he was doing in my grandmother's life at that moment, none of us could see it. None of us could feel it, but God was doing something so intimate in her life. Things that she carried with her needed to be left on this earth. When Adam and I went and had the privilege of being with Madi the day before she passed away, Madi was an encourager in my life through cancer. And when we went, and it shook, my, shook me to the core, seeing her and the ravages that cancer did to her body. But let me tell you something, what it did to me too. The peace of God that was in that room, worship playing from her children, playing worship from her television. And there was such a peace. And I knew the minute I stood there and was whispering in her ears, I knew what God was doing again. He was doing the same thing again. 
This gracious God we serve knows we failed in Mara so many times that we've grumbled and rebelled in openness against him. And yet when it's time to bring us home, he, give, he gave her time. He gave her this week of just sleeping and the Lord working on the inside of her to let her release things that needed to stay here. There's things that we carry in our lives we'll never be rid of in our human form. We, there's things we have to work out as we walk through this life. That's why there is places like Mara. You've got to work through the pain. You've got to work through the release because there's things that we cannot take with us from this earth. We do not want to take these things with us. In order to be in the presence of God, which is our promise and our hope, we have to leave things here because those there's sin in our lives and open rebellion in our lives and things of the flesh that cannot be and exist in the presence of God. So why not try in every way that we can and every opportunity in a season of Mara to release those things, to ask God, oh God, strengthen my soul. Let me see the things that need to strip away the layers of fat that have accumulated through the promises of happiness. God, strip it away. Help me to stay the course, to let God finish in you the work that he has started and see how much better his plan is for you than your own plans. I want you to know, church, I'll take the super over the natural any day. While I live on this earth, I want my faith stretched. While I live on this earth, I want my faith strengthened in every way that he can let me be. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But when I am actively walking and strengthening my faith, I am pleasing to God. That's the flip side of that scripture. With faith, you please God. Is there anything better in this life? Is there anything more that we could possibly want in our lives than to please God? To stand before him and let him say those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Grow while you go. Don't get cozy. start strength training. Go from strength to strength to strength. That's the promise. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Father God, that you are a good, good God. Sometimes our flesh wants to butt against those words that you're a good God. But Father, we know that your plans are ways and things that we just can't even wrap our mind around. God, help us to stay the course. If we're in a season of Mara this morning, I pray, Father God, you will help us to see what you're teaching us, to see why we're there. What do we need to take from this place, oh God? Help us to recognize it, to cry out for it, God, that we would drink from the medicinal waters, God, that you brought us there for, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, for those, God, that are realizing this morning that we've gotten a little too cozy in our souls, cozy in our faith, Father God. Challenge us, God, to break through, Father God. Challenge us, God, to start stretching our souls and our faith a little bit, Father God. To believe once again for something that is outside of our grasp, Father God. But with 
you all things are possible. Help us to hold on to those promises. Help us to believe for those things, Father God, and to stretch ourselves, Father God, when we want to stay comfortable. And I pray, Father God, that you will help us to recognize, God, that you are strength training us, God, that you are getting us ready, that we can go from strength to strength to strength, not weakness to weakness, God, that we will learn, God. We won't go circling around on this life that we're living, Father God, and not learning and not growing, God, but we will go from strength to strength, receiving in this lifetime all that you want to pour into us, oh God. Do a work in us, God. That's why we're here. That's why we're breathing. Reveal it to us, Jesus. Reveal to us, oh God, what your plan is for our lives. Why we are where we're at right now, Father God. Because there is a purpose, a divine purpose, God. Let us step into it. Let us step into it, Father God. We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. We worship you, God. In Jesus' name. Come on, sing this out today. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Stand to your feet today. Better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Come on. Nothing that's better than you. You're all we need, Lord. Come on, sing it out. Oh, there's nothing. Come on. Better than you. seems like there's certain areas of my life where I'm just kind of going in circles. How many of you have ever experienced that, where you just feel like, you know, I've been here before, I'm just kind of going in circles. Maybe it's, maybe you're going in circles in your relationship, your marriage relationship, or going in circles in, a, in, a, in an area of your life, and, you, and you're wondering, why do I keep going through this? Maybe God's trying to teach you something. 
You ever think about that? Maybe God's trying to teach you something. I don't know about you. I look back on areas of my life where, you know, things weren't, weren't stellar. Things weren't fantastic. I look back over, over those areas now, and I can see that God used those times uh, to, to bring me to the place I am now. I'm grateful for some of the trials that we've been through. Carrie and I have talked about that before, some of the things that we've had to go through and some of the things that we've had to endure. God's used those things to bring us to where he, he wanted us to be in the first place. And I know that sometimes those things are, are difficult. I think a lot of us have been through a Mara season or a, a difficult season. And, uh, but, but God's trying to do something in us. He's trying to, trying to raise us up, trying to take us somewhere. And sometimes we just got to allow God to do his work. How many say, you know, I want God to do a work in my life. We, we make that our prayer all the time. Lord, I want you to do a work in my life, not knowing that sometimes the work that he does is a little bit hard, sometimes a little bit difficult. God uses difficult things to draw strength out of us. So God, we just thank you for that. Thank you for this word. We reject Huga. We reject Hugo. We reject the comfort of the soul, the coziness of the soul. Lord, instead, Lord God, we know that sometimes it's the painful things, it's, it's the trials and the, and the testings that we go through that, that you use to give us a testimony. It's, it's the mess that, that sometimes we have to walk through that, that you give a message, Lord, through our lives. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't run from trial, we wouldn't run from test. Lord, that we'd marched through it, knowing, Lord, that you're doing a work in us. And you have something, something great on the other side of this. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. God's good. Looking forward to tonight. Tonight is going to be fantastic. We have, we're completely sold out. And so uh, I mean, I'm excited. We have a lot of couples coming tonight for our couples dinner. It starts at 6 o'clock. I want you all to be there. If you came here, you just said, I want to give to the Lord today. And you can say you brought an offering to give. Uh, you can easily do that electronically. Uh, you can text 77977. You can do all that. Or there's envelopes under every chair. You just drop that in our giving boxes on your way out. We love you so much. Have a fantastic week. Enjoy Valentine's Day. God bless you guys. Amen.